Life is too short to be a spectator. Many people find it hard to understand and then apply the Bible into their lives. I think one of the reasons for that is we tend to read the Bible in shorter segments. We don't understand how that segment fits into the whole picture of the Bible. We wonder how are we supposed to apply that teaching into our lives specifically? Well, for over 5,000 years, the Bible was taught one story at a time from one individual to the next, to small groups of all people. In this next series, we want to explore the importance of understanding that storyline of the Bible. We're going to see how Jesus' example of disciple-making is relevant for us today as well, and consider God's plan for the ministry and marriage. Since February of 2011, Arlie and Noemi Francis have poured their hearts, their talents, and their treasures into developing a disciple-making process based on telling one story at a time to one individual of a time through the whole scripture. You can find more resources that they put together in a website called discipledaily.org. Please welcome Arlie and Noemi Francis as they lead us in this series of understanding the grand narrative of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, God created spaces that he filled with wonderful things. And by the sixth day, everything was created except for the crowning achievement of God's creation. And God reached down and he took dirt from the earth and he fashioned a man. And he blew his own life into the man. The man was made in the very image of God himself. Now there was a beautiful garden that God had created and he put the man in that garden. He had work, he had purpose, a reason for existence. There was just one thing the man could not do, God told him. From any tree in the garden you may eat, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of that one, you will surely die. So while everything was perfect in the garden, there was something missing. And God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will create a helper suitable for him. So God caused all the animals to pass two by two in front of Adam, and he named them. And whatever name he gave them, that's the name they were. And Adam noticed there wasn't a partner for him. There wasn't someone just like him. So God put Adam to sleep. And while he was asleep, he took a rib from his side and fashioned a companion. And when the man woke up, he looked around. Whoa! You made her for me? Their relationship was perfect. They were naked and not ashamed. But there was a coming problem. They had perfect fellowship with each other, and each of them had perfect fellowship with God. Their marriage was perfect. But there was an enemy in the garden that they were not aware of. You see, Satan was there. And taking the form of a serpent, Satan approached them as a couple there in the garden. And he spoke directly to the woman. He said, is there any tree in this garden that you're really not supposed to eat from? 
Yes. God said, we cannot eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil or else we will die. We can't even touch it. <laughs> God was called a liar by Satan. He said, you surely will not die. God knows that in the day that you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. Hmm. Eve looked at the fruit. It looked good. And she wanted to be like God. So she took a bite. And then she gave the fruit to her husband, who was standing right there beside her. Oh, and it was good. But their eyes were opened. And they realized they were naked. And they ran off into the garden to find fig leaves to sew together as clothing, to cover the nakedness and shame that their rebellion had revealed. So God came looking for them in the Garden of Eden. Adam, where are you? What are you doing hiding behind that tree? And the man replied, we were naked and we were ashamed. We were afraid, so we hid. The Lord asked the man, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I told you not to eat from? The man had an answer immediately. It's the woman that you gave me that caused me to eat. It's not my fault. It's yours. And then God said to Eve, Eve, what have you done? And she said, it was the serpent. The serpent caused me to eat. God's judgment was quick and sure. To the serpent, he said, I will cause enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. And to the woman, he said, everything's changed. Childbirth will be accompanied by great pain and you will desire your husband and he will rule over you. The garden was no longer perfect. Speaking to the man, he said, not only will there be tension in your home, but there's going to be tension in the garden as well because now the ground that was going to produce food so effortlessly, you're going to have to work hard every single day. You're going to sweat every single day. And after a long life, from dust you came to dust you will return, you're going to die. That's the bad news. But there was good news. Because then God did something nobody could have ever imagined. Do you remember the animals that you talked about? God took some of those innocent animals and he killed them and took their skins and fashioned clothing for them to wear. So after God clothed the man and the woman, he expelled them from the Garden of Eden. Why? Because there was another tree in the garden, the tree of life. And had they eaten from that, they would have lived forever with the knowledge of what their rebellion had brought the world. You know, they would see the disease, the war, the deception, <laughs> the global pandemic, all the death, 
And they would have recognized that they were responsible for that. But by being exiled from the garden, they would eventually go to their reward because you see, they believed in God and that was reckoned unto them as righteousness. And they looked forward to the day when the seed of the woman would destroy Satan's power in this world forever. You just saw us share a story together. It took a lot of work for us to decide how to tell this story, but you just saw the product that we practiced and that we prepared. Ministry is a lot like that. You heard us say, there are no perfect marriages anymore. There aren't. But God has still prepared us for ministry. He's given us gifts. He's given us strengths. We are to use those gifts to bring Him glory and to serve Him in ministry. We're to recognize those gifts in each other and support each other in ministry. Let me give you an example. I've always wanted to teach children, and I'm good at it. I teach Sunday school, I've taught vacation Bible school, I do a weekly Bible club, and I taught 32 years in the public schools. I love teaching children, but I never really wanted to teach adults. I want to be in a woman's Bible study, but I never volunteered to lead it. That was not what I was comfortable with. And then my husband encouraged me to join him teaching. I had no idea how much fun it was going to be. Now we work together quite a bit. Every week we teach in a rehabilitation home for women who are coming out of addiction. We've taught several other places together, including four shepherd support conferences that have been such a blessing to us. We are able to bless each other and support each other. And we both have strengths, but we both also have areas where we struggle. For example, my husband <laughs> is a big dreamer and he likes big projects that he thinks we can do easily. I don't like big projects. I'm not a big dreamer. I'm a detailed <laughs> person. I need to know who, and when, and where, and how, that's what I am strong in. So I can take his big dreams and my attention to detail, and we work together better, and we can bring glory to God together. It's good when children are working with the family too, when they see their parents working in ministry together, and when they're involved, no matter how big a job is or how small a job is, the children will see that God can use them and that ministry as a family is a blessing and brings glory to God. So we need to realize that there's an enemy that is out there throwing obstacles in our way. Some of those obstacles are expectations. Expectations about what needs to happen at particular periods of our life. You know, when we were newly married, there's no way that we could have done the things that we're doing right now. We've got tremendous freedom. So newlyweds are adjusting to one another. That's where the attention ought to be. Children come along, and then you have divided interests at some level as husband and wife about how children are to be cared for and nurtured and where and all those kinds of things. So those items can get in the way. Children can get in the way. Now we're in an empty nest. 
<laughs> We've got a lot of competing interests. I'd like to do everything, as you know, but we need to focus on doing a few things. And so even the empty nest can sometimes get in the way. One of our particular struggles right now, and it's a blessing too, not just a struggle, is that your dad is in a season of life where he needs our attention much more. And while there's times that I am not really grateful for that, I recognize that's what we need to do. And so as we take care of your dad, and eventually we're going to need to take care of one another as well. There are seasons of life and those obstacles the enemy can sometimes use. Another way that obstacles are put in place are not seeing one another's potential. You know, there were seasons where we didn't really value what each of us brought to the table. But now as we become a team, I'm really beginning to understand how much I need you to reel me in a little bit and be more focused. And you know what? You're getting so much better at being flexible. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, one of the other things is that, you know, I wish you could read my mind. And when I think you're reading my mind, you've got a saying for me. What, what is that? Communication is a good thing. Wait a minute. I'm not sure I've heard that before. Could you try that again for me? Communication is a good thing. <laughs> you know, when something's repeated, that means it's really important. You know, in a marriage, in a ministry, as people are working together, communication is absolutely essential. It helps you identify goals and objectives and how you're going to get to that desired destiny. Here's the big thought that I want you to walk away from this session with. You know, the world needs couples, even entire families, to be seen working together in ministry, as you and I have learned to do, for kingdom purposes. And that's what we hope you will take away from this session. So now that we've shared with you a little bit about our lives, we have something we want you to consider. You see, we don't want to just leave you without something to do that can help you move towards what God has given us. We would like to ask you to plan a ministry activity or a task together, something that you can both be involved in. Consider each other's strengths, consider each other's struggles, and plan it together. Be sure to pray, be sure to evaluate, and be sure to plan carefully. And, and have, have some, some fun, fun together. together.